You are the universe looking in on itself and getting calibrated with your true being is instrumental in living a fulfilled life. Hey, I'm Michael and welcome to The Good People Effect. They say to grow, you must first surround yourself with the right people. Well, not everyone has access to the right people right now. So The Good People Effect is a podcast that surrounds you with these awesome humans to help you grow as a person. So ignite your sense of purpose, explore your inner creativity, follow that adventurous spirit and get motivated to start becoming the best version of you through a regular dose of The Good People Effect. Enjoy. If that little message at the start of the show resonated with you and you want to find out more about how you can calibrate yourself towards your true being so that you can get more fulfillment out of life, it's actually from the episode with Amrit Sandhu, number 18. So be sure to check that one out. It's a very sweet episode and I highly recommend it. I want to chat for a moment about connection and support. I'm here giving you all my attention, focus, intention, and energy, my creative energy through this podcast to really help you grow by sharing these stories, diving deep into conversation and uncovering insights and lessons that people have learned and failures they've gone through and just tracking their journeys so that we can have these conversations, we can grow together and we can really ignite this good people effect within us. So that's my way of supporting you. I've just put together a new website and I'd love for you to be able to show your love and support back to me by visiting it and just checking it out. So, you know, if it feels right, please head over to goodpeopleeffect.com, leave a little bit of love, leave a little bit of support and it would really help motivate me to keep this thing going and keep putting energy and focus into this so that I can, you know, really impart some knowledge and help you grow so that you can then pass that on to other people and we can really get some momentum going into this world, some positive momentum. Today's episode is with Duncan from Meridian Handpans. Duncan crafts these amazing instruments from steel. They're steel drums. If you if you haven't heard of the handpan before, it's it's the instrument that I play in the beginning of every one of my shows in the intro. I play it throughout almost every show and it's I love it. It's my instrument. It creates such a beautiful energy and vibe wherever it's played. And Duncan's such a great guy. We had a great chat. So if you're if you've ever been interested in the pan, if you've ever been interested in getting your hands on a pan, uh, or if you just want to get a glimpse into the life and mind of someone that creates these beautiful instruments, then this episode is just for you. I've lived I've been living in a city called Bristol, mm-hmm. uh, which an hour and a half north of where I was living when I when I met you. Um, I'm, I've been since uh, for for over a year now. I've been living in my van, so I got a big camper van with a wood burner and everything in it, and and I've been living in that, um, which has been really good fun actually. And so I'm living in a in a in one of the biggest cities in the UK now called Bristol. I've got a big workshop here, which. I wish I, I, I could move the camera around and show you it. I got I got a warehouse um, I'm in the center of town. I live in my van outside. Uh, yeah, it's 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 nice. And um, so I, I'm living here. I'm working seven days a week. Uh, when I'm not working, I'm I'm traveling to other places to do to do. I don't know. Don't know what you call them. Like gathering, musical gatherings, festivals, conventions, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I, I did a lot of those last summer, which was this big adventure. So I, I, I drove uh, down to the south of France and went to a festival there. Then I drove to Italy, then to Austria, then Germany, then Belgium, then home. It, it was a it was a good adventure. There was three three Hampan festivals. Uh, it almost all all fell apart at the seams. Um, the first day, I, I was driving down through France, and uh, and me and the dog slept in the van in a service station. It was like a twelve hour drive, so we we spent the night in a service station. Really nice place, families camping and stuff. Four in the morning, I got woken by my dog barking, and I opened my eyes, and there was two people in my van trying to steal all my stuff. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so naked me had to chase these guys out, out of the van, <laughs> um, and luckily they didn't go in the back. I got like this garage type thing in the back of the van, and that, that's where all the all the pans were. I, I had I had about ten grand's worth of instruments in the back, and it was completely unlocked, stupidly. Um, uh, but they didn't know it was there and they, they were trying to steal my knackered old laptop that didn't even have a battery in it instead. So, <laughs> yeah, I lucked out on that one. I didn't lose anything. But uh, yeah, it almost came apart at the seams. So I got my van broken into then as well. <laughs> so you on the, the target your van, huh? <laughs> Always, man. Every time I go to Europe, I get targeted. Um, yeah, on our drive down, we stopped off at a supermarket to grab some juice in a sleepy little French town. Middle of the afternoon, went in, got some juice, came back front window had been hammered in and uh his coat was gone and, and i was like shit man what, what was in your coat and he he had an old pair of headphones in there no big deal and he had one of those um, breath freshener spray things <laughs> he'd, he'd emptied of the breath freshener and filled with lsd really and, uh, yeah and and so th this is what this guy and we we're pretty sure we knew which guy did it because there was a crazy looking guy hanging around <laughs> the this, guy this that is what the guy on the street Man, we saw him, no word of a lie, we saw him an hour later cycling on his bike over a bridge. His mouth was wider than it possibly should have been. He was screaming at the top of his lungs, eyes wide like dinner plates, cycling over this bridge. And it was like, yeah, you, 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 uh, you know, karma's very quick these days. <laughs> <laughs> this guy <laughs> got a taste of his own medicine. Yeah, literally. Um, yeah. yeah, the trip was amazing. Really amazing. Um, went to the biggest... So the Hanpan Festival you and I went to in Pan Oz, that was like, what, 100 people? Yeah, it was and pretty small. The, the, the one I went to in France was, was over 2,000 people. Oh, wow. So, I can't even yeah, imagine what that would be like. Yeah, for, for a festival that's tiny, tiny, it's chicken feed, but for a Hanpan Festival that's huge, it's like the biggest one in the world. Mm. Um, and I haven't been to a bigger one since. It was amazing. And then the one after that was in Italy. That was that was maybe 70 people. And it was up on a almost like a mountainside. And there was a storm raging just in the distance of all the thunder and lightning. It was incredible. Uh, and uh, yeah, well, oh, I, I skipped something. After after the French festival, I went into the... Uh, went into the, the countryside of southern France, which was amazing. And we, we found a cave, a subterranean cave, went right down into the, into the earth. And we went down there and made some, some videos. And it was, it was really nice. We had loads of candles and everything. Did you play the handpan <laughs> in this kind of uh, this? Because that would have been awesome for the handpan, the audio and uh, the way it was. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. And we, we, we did some videos with, um, I don't know how much you've kept up with the handpan scene, but with, with uh, Cabasau and Marcel Hutter. Oh, there, wow. That's awesome. Um, yeah. uh, doing, doing the videos. They came out really nice. It was super special. We, we, we were doing the road trip together in, in two vans. <clears throat> and after that, we, we were meant to go and have a, have a party on a cruise ship of some description. I don't know how that, that was meant to happen, but 
the the weather was too bad for that so we stayed at the skipper's house the 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 boat owner's house he had this heated outdoor pool so we were there for three days and i taught my dog to swim in the, in the pool it was it was lush but yeah the whole trip was was incredible i think all all, all things told it was about four thousand miles in about just around a month um and I wanted to do the same thing this year, but but actually there's not that many European festivals this summer. They're, they're a bit further afield. So in, in two weeks' time, I'm going to Japan, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to be cool. Um, there's, a new, there's a new, what, these are the Tokyo Handpan Lab over there? That's, that's the one, yeah. So, so I'm going over to support that. And there's some sort of meet your maker talk going on, um, cool. which I'm involved with. Um, yeah, it's it's it should be really cool. I don't know much about the Japanese scene, uh, but I got a few instruments over there, so I'd like to meet the people who are playing them. Yeah, That'd be really nice. So you yeah, actually did uh, this trip in your in the van that you now call a home. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was it was home back then, so I didn't need to pack anything. I just filled the back up with instruments and set off. For everyone out there, we pretty much met when you needed a lift to to this handpan festival. And we were going kind of the same way and we picked you up and, and on the way there, you know, you told us some amazing stories and, um, you know, it's just, it was a, it was a wonderful uh, trip so much so that I kept you in my mind that I really wanted to, you know, catch up and have this chat with you. So uh, that sounds incredible though, like your life back then and kind of how you, how you, I think really out of everyone in the handpan community that I've met or I've encountered or come across, you've really started from, I guess, I don't know how to say it, humble beginnings and... <laughs> And now you're now you're kind of uh, living a lifestyle that I think um, is really sweet, like traveling around around a van, going to music festivals, and um, you know sharing your uh, instruments that bring joy to people and, and making people happy with your beautiful new puppy. And I mean, it sounds like you're you're living a great lifestyle, but um, I know that you're really busy at the moment and you work really hard to kind of be able to have that time off. How do you balance that kind of um, the work and the play element? I guess. Well, that, that's a question I've been asking myself a lot recently, and the answer is I don't. I, I, I've been since since I saw you. Uh, other than when I'm out of the country, I've worked almost every day. Um, I mean, I've been doing that for about three or four years. When when we met, I was I was teaching at the same time. I believe I was I was teaching in a Steiner school. I was teaching carpentry and woodwork. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that came to an end. That came to an end last year, uh, and that's when I went full time doing this. And and I, I mean full time. I've been doing seventy to eighty hours a week, every mm-hmm. week, um, trying to get wow. things going. Because I, I, I've, be- I've become something of a workaholic over the past few years. So yeah, I noticed in your in your notes, you were saying, "Oh, you, like how do you get a work life balance? Give me some advice on this." And I haven't got any because I don't have a balance. It's it's all, all I do is work. Um, and I, enjoy I don't it. think it's a new thing with you though, Duncan. So I remember you were telling me these crazy hours that you're putting in just to develop your own handpan in the beginning and you were telling yeah. like ridiculous things then. So I think maybe it's just a part of who you are. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think so. It was, yeah, the hours in the beginning were massive as well. I mean, it's, it's ironic that I started in a van and I've ended in a van. Like, <laughs> like my, first, my first workshop was the back of my old camper van. It was tiny. It was just a stack of car tires and, and one sledgehammer that I've still got somewhere around here. And and that's that's where I, I started all of the work and in, in this tiny space that was as big as my desk, maybe smaller, and uh, yeah. So that, that like to build it up from that took a lot, um, a lot of a lot of patience, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And now now that I've uh, got to the point where where I have that that 
aspect a bit more dialed you can always improve but i, I i've got the, the 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 basics of making the instrument I, I feel like i've got them pretty sweet now i'm trying to hone in on all the other things so i'm always developing other things like uh, in the past six months i, I well in the past years uh, i developed a pickup system which goes inside uh, my smaller instruments the the traveler i call it which is a stainless steel uh, smaller uh, geometry instrument is 18 inch diameter rather than 21 and it has a, it has a pickup system that I developed uh, and then pa patented um, that, that it just means you, you, you can plug it into a PA system or an amp and, and amplify it and it's it's something that other people are, I'm not the first to try this but I feel like I've done very well with it and it works really well um, so and, and currently as far as I'm aware I could be wrong but as far as I'm aware I'm the only person producing them on a commercial level where you can order an instrument with a pickup in bespoke from from a maker um, i'm so, sure that would change but so for everyone out there that's pretty much a way to amplify the sound from a hand pan that sometimes isn't very loud especially when you're busking or you're playing kind of a roundabout and you want to kind of um you know get that sound out or those vibrations out to a lot of people that's just the way to kind of turn up the volume right yeah, for sure. And, and not just that, but when, if you want to record, it makes it very accessible. And if you're, if you're performing and you want to do loops where you record a segment uh -huh. of say five to 10 seconds, and then you play over that and that, that is, is repeated uh, through, through using a pedal or some, some software, yeah. you can do that with, without any sort of feedback problems, uh, which you would get from a microphone where it would pick up the previous loop. It's a very, yeah. it's a very clean signal in that sense. So for, for buskers and performers, it, it's it, it's a potential game changer for a lot of them. Uh, yeah, that sounds so, amazing. I remember when I was chatting to you about when you were just when you kind of just started prototyping and just kind of came up with the idea initially, and you were, you were kind of really excited about it. And it's nice that now it's actually out there into the world. And obviously, that doesn't come easily. Like you said, you put a lot of work into um, into what you do, and you've obviously got a massive passion for it. And just rounding back to the topic of balance, I mean. I don't really feel like it's it's possible to ever be truly balanced. I mean, if you put a lot of energy into your health, maybe your career will dip a little bit. If you put a lot of energy into one aspect of your life, something else will dip. And it's just about kind of um, figuring out when it's time to shift gears into an, uh, and focus on another element of your life to kind of rebalance things out. Uh, yeah, and I think totally. trips like the one you went on are the perfect way to do things like that. Well, yeah, it, it, it encompasses the two things together. It still works so that... that, that work obsessed part of my brain is still getting getting scratched and it, it, it's happy um but I'm, I'm able to you know chill out a bit more take it easy a bit more like there, there was it wasn't all work and no play on that trip so i need to do that more like i'm hoping to do the same in tokyo yeah i'm, I'm uh, hoping to go to greece at the end of next month as well um there's there's israel like all these places i i haven't been to before that i i just get to check out it's so th that's my downtime, I would say. It's, it's still not a work-life balance. Like this, yeah. this work is a rabbit hole and it's completely devoured me. It's, it's, it's ended two really <laughs> relationships that I've had. It's, it's, it's absorbed everything that I've got. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it, it gives back so much. Like so many of my, uh, my close, nearest and dearest friends are within the, this musical community. And, you know, my, my day in, day out life now is me and my, my, my apprentice machinist, Kerry, who I love dearly. We, we, we just hang out together in the workshop and muck about. And it, it's, you know, that, that, that's a good work-life balance at work. Yeah, yeah. There's no one breathing down my neck telling me to work quicker apart from myself. Like yeah. That's the thing they don't tell you about working for yourself. People assume that when you work for yourself, 
you can take it easy more, but it depends on who you are. I'm a dick of a boss to myself. So like it's, it, it's, I think, I think I'm more of a mean boss to me than <laughs> anyone else has ever been before. And I've had some mean bosses. So it's, yeah. it's, it's about how much pressure you put on yourself, but I'm, I'm focusing now on having two days off a week. That that's the aim. Uh, I'll probably end up with one day off, but like, for example, last this weekend, just gone, I, I went, went wild camping and surfing with some friends in the South of Wales. Um, in a couple of weeks time, I'm doing a, a canoe wild camping trip again. We got a group of friends who, who we get together once a month and we, we go on these trips, uh, micro adventure style trips. Everyone's busy. So it's, so it's like 24 hours, 48 hours and see how much fun you can cram into that before you go back to, back to life, back to reality and all that. Um, yeah, that sounds that sounds amazing. Sounds like um, it's, it's, definitely it's a great a, way to break things up and spend some time with your friends. So. And- but but I feel like I want to flip this around and ask you how how you would do work life balance because I imagine you're better at it than I am. You're you're currently traveling in Chile. <laughs> I think I'm a little bit too much on the other side, to be honest. Um, I yeah. went. I was working for a boss and a few bosses that I really didn't kind of connect with. And now that I'm kind of free of that, I'm loving the freedom um, and I'm trying to get as many experiences into my life as possible. So having grander adventures, I guess, but I need to put the work in. So I guess I'm at the moment kind of struggling with that balance and trying to find a way to really start whipping myself a bit harder. Um, I put in, you know, uh, five, six hours of creative time a day, but I don't think it's enough. Like it's nowhere near as much as um, people, I guess, that are successful. I'm going to use that term loosely or people that really have a passion for what they do and can develop their craft and can really, um, you know, do what they do, what they love, and, and do it well, and create something of value in this world. I need to put more work in, and I realize that. But at the same time, it's hard for me because I see all these beautiful experiences brushing past me, and I don't want to miss any of them. So, so what I've been doing, or what I've been thinking about doing lately, has been like um, four months on, four months off. So I kind of mm-hmm. chill for four months, have a great time, and then I spend the next four months every single day working my ass off. But then there's there's downsides to that as well because you don't get the consistency you do. That's the thing, isn't it? You, you feel like you're chasing your tail a lot. You, you, you finish four months off and you step into four months on and that first couple of months is catching up and then exactly. you just caught up and then you've got into the zone, got into the rhythm and then suddenly it's boom, I'm, I'm, I'm chilling again. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So it's, I mean, that's just a, a kind of puzzle that I'm trying to solve myself. And mm-hmm. um, I think as long as the intention's right and um, the energy and the focus and, and the working to kind of, um, break down the resistance that I feel every day and just putting in some work and um, trying my hardest. That's all I can really do. And as long as I've put in the hours, even if I don't get where I want to get for the day, I feel proud of myself that I've put in the effort and I'm not mm-hmm. really going to measure it on what comes out. I'm really just going to measure it on how much effort I put in. Um, yeah. At the same time, you can't be too hard on yourself, I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I mean, it's really cool what you've done, man. You've You've built up... Uh, a hand pan you've created this thing in this world on this rock that we live on that really bring brings people joy and you've done it through blood sweat and tears and you've and i know you were telling me that your first pan you were in the forest for like what was it like weeks or months or something just hammering it away took about eight months because <laughs> you didn't want to make noise and you didn't want to interrupt anyone and you're just kind of working on this piece of steel that was that would have been you know you need to put uh, I was, focus yeah it was it was pissing everybody off the noise i was making that's why i <laughs> the workshop in the back of the van but even, even you drive out into the middle of the woods you upset some people i i i was no word of a lie i was working out in the woods middle of the day hammering steel middle of nowhere 
And I got a, a call on my phone from a withheld number and I picked it up and I said, uh, hello. And they said, uh, hello, is, is this Duncan Arnott? I said, yes. They said, I, th this is the, uh, the Devon and Cornwall police. I said, right, okay, what, what, what's up? And they said, well, we, we've had a, a call from a concerned member of the public saying that there's a ticking going on from your van and they're worried that there's a bomb inside it. And I said, no, 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 it's, it's me inside. I'm, I'm hammering steel in the middle of the woods. <laughs> and they had to explain what I was doing, which didn't sound very legitimate, I guess. It sounded a bit suspicious maybe. But yeah, e even in the middle of the woods, you upset some people. So it's like right now, uh, I'm, I'm in a four meter by four meter soundproof booth that I bought. So uh, uh, the noise that I make now bothers nobody apart from the dog. It's, uh, <laughs> she's got her own air defenders. I even, I got them here. Ah, oh, it's super a, cute. This, this is one of my recent <laughs> pair of, of dog air defenders. On the, on the is she it's around really at nice. the moment? I might, it'd be nice if I could say hello again. She is around. Yeah, where is she? Hey, come here. Come up. Come up. I really hope you're enjoying this chat with Duncan and you're getting some beautiful insights out of it. A little bit later on in our chat, Duncan's going to share a story about a piece of music that really inspired him early on in his creation journey. And it's something that really helped him through a hard time. So to get a more deeper, more profound understanding of what he's talking about, I'm going to play you a piece of that music right now. It's by Kumia Sound and the song is called Kutsu. been since you got the since you got the little one oh yeah it's been brilliant 
It's been absolutely brilliant, man. Um, yeah, she, so I was teaching in the school when I first got her and, um, and she was coming to school with me. So she'd just come and, and round up all the kindergarten kids. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she, she loved it. Like, so That's she'd awesome. just hang out in the workshop and just roll around in sawdust, playing with bits of wood all day. <laughs> Love she, she comes on all of the adventures with me. Like when we were, when we were driving around Europe, she was there for the whole thing. And after the French festival, we, we did a 12 mile uh, canoe trip down a river. And she was just there on the front of the canoe the whole way, swimming between the canoes. And mm. yeah, she's, she's absolutely great. I, any, anyone who works on their own, I'd recommend having a dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a game changer. Yeah, super cool. I really miss my dog, actually. I haven't seen her in ages. And Skype's not the same. It's not the same. Yeah, yeah. Skyping a dog, it's a bit of a one-way conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so just coming back to what we were talking about before, I mean, how do you get through those times where you're not making much money, but you know you're doing the right thing? Like, you know you're on the right path, um, or you think you might be, and you've finally found something that, you know, really connects with you, but you're not really making cash, so you're kind of struggling to survive. What's that journey like, and how did you get through that? wrote I had an assist form on one of my vocal folds um, and, it, and it completely trashed my voice box I had to have two operations and I wasn't able to talk for weeks and and I, when I was able to talk again I mean I can talk now but my voice is a, is, a, is a bit nasty and if I talk for too long it falls to bits so I was told you can't teach full-time anymore and that's that's what made me start hammering uh, steel so my hands were tied on it it was you know in for a penny in for a pound I, I, I had to make it work um, otherwise there, there, there wasn't, you know, I'd have to find something else that I wanted to do. I mean, my life has been a series of me finding something I, I really like doing and then my body kicking out, <laughs> causing problems. Like before, before I met you, I was, uh, and before I was a teacher, I was a Husky safari guide and I had laser eye surgery to, so that I didn't have to wear glasses anymore because wearing glasses in the Arctic sucks. It, 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 it doesn't work for numerous reasons, but the laser eye surgery ruined my night vision. So, uh, so I had to give up on that. So then I started teaching and then my, my throat gave out. So I had to stop teaching and I started hammering steel. And then, uh, just before I came out to Australia, I severed a tendon in the back of my hand. I don't know if you remember, but my hand was all buggered up. Yeah, I remember that. When I was over and, and I only got it repaired last March. So I, I uh, last March I, I went under the under the, the surgeon's knife and had my hand all, all cut to pieces and they put a new tendon in the back of the finger and put a pin through the core of it to hold it straight and they, they said to me right you, you can't do any any work at all with that hand for three to six months and then we'll ease you back in and I just kind of nodded and went yeah yeah sure that that's okay but then two weeks later I was back hammering I, I had I had <laughs> this finger was in a in a splint. My arm had a, had a cast part of the way up it, and I could still just about hold a hammer with my my hammer with the longest head. I think I still still have it here. Where is it? Uh, <laughs> so this one, I, I I put an extra long head on it, so I could have my finger sticking out the bottom of it, and the head was further out. And I'd be hammering like this with a broken finger, all 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 in a mess. And it was it was a hard time, but yeah, again, I had to carry on working because a I'm a workaholic, and b I needed to make ends meet. So yeah, like you say, like how how do you get through those times? You just, I guess, you hope that it's going to get better. Yeah. And, and the, the if you keep keep cracking away with something, it's it's going to you know things are going to improve for you. I really yeah. believe that if you work hard at stuff, you you know th- good things come to you. Yeah. Um, it doesn't always work out that way, but you know, hopefully most of the time. 
Yeah. And that, you know, the, the good times, like I feel like I'm in good times now, like things are going well, I'm busy. I've got lots of customers. I, I'm, you know, my own boss it wasn't always like that. And, and I think the daydream of this was what kept me going in those hard times where I was crying in the back of a van, trying to hit some steel and not knowing what I was doing. Yeah. And wondering why I was doing this after, after you know, like a 12 hour day of teaching. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it felt like majorly uphill struggle, but yeah, I think, yeah. I think everyone who's, who's tried to go off the beaten path has has come across that, you know, it's, it's, if you're going off that beaten path, it's not easy. And, 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 you know, if, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. So, yeah. so that's and I guess it's good that you're, you're reflecting in this way. Like you can actually look back and, and have a bit of gratitude for where you are at the moment and, and appreciation for yourself and the, the hard work you've put in, because a lot of the times as humans, we just always want more and more and more and always looking for the next thing and to find like fine tuning what we've already created or creating something new. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to actually uh, take a bird's eye view and say, like what I've where what I've achieved at the moment is actually pretty good, and and I'm going to keep working at it. But it really is, and I I never have that feeling. I've never sat back and and thought ah, I'm really happy with with what I'm doing, or I'm really happy with that. I'm so critical of it all, and I'm always looking at the next thing. Mm-hmm. I was talking with someone about this the other day. I, uh, we uh, a friend and I were were talking about uh, what it's like to be old, and I said when you're an old uh, elderly person. You live in the past. You live in your, in your 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 past thoughts. And when you're a child, you live in the moment. That's the magic thing about being mm-hmm. a kid. Mm-hmm. You live right in that moment. Yesterday, tomorrow doesn't matter. But when you're kind of, I'm 32. I, I feel like I live in the future. I'm always thinking about tomorrow, and it makes me not appreciate what I've got going on today and what I did yesterday. I don't even think about it. it's done. It doesn't matter unless I did it badly, and then I need to do it better. If I did it well, it doesn't bear thinking about. That, that's my mentality. I'm always trying to fix things. That's, that's like the core of my being is trying to make things better. Yeah. Which, which is why these instruments work so well for me because each one I make, I can make it go, yeah, that's good, but I'll make it better next time. And then I put that one aside, that goes off to the customer. And the next one, I, I, I find some minute detail that I didn't like about the last one and I try and improve it on the next one. It, it's, it's self-improvement, you know, continuously every day. And it, that, that, is is i think it's good for me but it but yeah it doesn't breed contentment for sure <laughs> why do you why do you actually make handpans like why do you do what you do and um like what's the reason for it that's a tricky question uh, in the beginning i it wasn't a plan to do it i my plan was i had 10 weeks where i wasn't allowed to talk and and i needed to fill those 10 weeks so i just wanted to do something that involved putting ear defenders on and sitting in the back of my van and hitting steel and not talking with anyone because i like talking i'm a talker so so I, I did that to kind of section myself off from society it was never a plan to make money but then when i made my first one I put a video online of it, feeling very proud of it and everything. And then a guy offered to buy it. And I said, yeah, okay, you can buy it. And he came and bought it. He was, he was a rapper from the UK called Plan B. He's, he's like director some films and things. Yeah, like I actually know Plan B. He's, he's, I like yeah. the music. And yeah, I, I, I was super stoked that he wanted to buy my instrument. You know, this, this thing was grassroots. I, I'd heat treated <laughs> it on the hob in my kitchen in the student house I was living in. Like this, this was this was proper DIY manufacturing, and I was so chuffed that this this guy's you know manager had come down in a Jaguar and paid me in fifty pound notes. I thought this this is a world I could get involved with. So I, I used that money to rent my first workshop, and that's that's how it all springboarded. But it was never it was never a plan. But the the reason I I kept going with it was I liked treading a path that 
you know, this instrument's only 20 years old. Every day you can, you can, you can do something new and, and innovate. And I love innovating like all this, like doing the pickup, you know, this was, this was something that people haven't done before and, or not done in the way I've done it. And just this week I got, there's a new product that I'm bringing out, which I haven't actually released yet, which is a, a, a new cover for my instruments. So I, I was getting fed up with instruments getting damaged uh, in, in the soft cases that I sell. So I developed a, a, a cover, a clear cover that goes over the top of them and over the bottom of them, slots in together and they hold, hold together nice, made out of polycarbonate, which is what police riot shields are made out of. And so Monday of this week, it was a bank holiday. So me and my apprentice spent the, the day outside filming, making, uh, doing crash tests. And I was slamming into this thing with a 14-pound sledgehammer trying to break it. Could not break it. And I was having, we just had the best afternoon doing this. And I was like, that sounds like good fun. <laughs> it was good. It's it was good relief. <laughs> so like just innovating and doing yeah. things which haven't been done before. It's, it's hard to do in this world. Like almost all in, uh, industries are saturated. Um, so to be in this cottage industry where, where everyone's really passionate about what they're doing and going in all different directions, it's so great to, be, to have your own little corner of it where, where, you're, where you're pushing that thing forward and that's your baby. I, I really, that, that's, that's what, what gets me out of bed in the morning. Yeah, that's and every giving me goosebumps right now, Duncan. That's like, that's a beautiful <laughs> thing. Just have your own little corner and you just do your thing to the best of your ability and you innovate, create something new, something fresh and put it out into the world. And it's beautiful yeah. to have the opportunity to do that with, with something like hand pans. Mm. Uh, what, how do you it's, think it's the industry and hand pans in general have kind of changed or developed in the last couple of years? Because I've noticed a huge change since when we met and it's kind of like scary how much um, kind of what's going on, like the number of makers and the different kind of things that are going on. What's your kind of perspective on that? How have things changed in your eyes? Uh, well, on the number of makers, it's, it's, it's increased hugely. When, when, I, when I first got into it, I remember there was, there was something called the Hampan Podcast um, that was, that was um, run by a guy called David Gallagher, who's now Jeff a, D, a, yeah. Yeah, Shefty. Yeah, he, he, yeah, you met him. Yeah, so he's now making pans as well. But he was doing the the hand pan podcast back then, and I, I was listening to it whilst I was hammering steel in the back of my van. And, and I remember him him doing a rundown of all of the makers in the world. It was there was only thirty of them then. I mean, I mean, in two thousand and one, there was only one producer, Panart, uh, who were the originals that, that that inspired the rest of us to to carry on with their work. And and yeah, there was 30 when I started. And now there's somewhere in the region of 200, possibly more. Uh, but last count, I think it was 200 makers. It's, it's changing things for sure. Some, in some ways good, in some ways bad. I, 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 let's focus on the good. There's a lot more variety. And there's, there's a lot more opportunity for people who want to buy one of these instruments to just go out and get one and get one locally. So, so you know, with 200 makers around the world, odds are good that there's going to be at least one in your country. There's some countries where there still isn't a maker. I believe New Zealand hasn't got one. I have not aware that Ireland has one. Australia's only got one from what I, I, I know. So it's, it's still slim pickings, but it's great news that there's these makers all over the world who, who have got the skill set, um, hopefully to, to retune most people's instruments. So it, it's connecting the dots with people who need services and things like that. It's, uh, it's, I'd say one of the things which which I, I which hurts uh, about about it expanding so much is that the the small family nature of the gatherings is becoming less so. Like I said earlier, there was a gathering of two thousand people 
I was used to gatherings of a hundred people and you know, knew everyone's name. And it was just this, the same faces, different places. You go all over the world and you see the same people time and time again. And at this 2000 people one, it wasn't, it was a beautiful festival. It was great. I loved it, but it was a different vibe. It was, it was more, uh, more conventional where you're, you're, you're amongst a crowd of strangers rather than just a bunch of friends. And, and I hope we don't lose that, that, that family connectivity. It, it shouldn't be an exclusive club. It should be anyone can join. Uh, like, I, I don't want that, this exclusivity thing, but I don't want to lose the personal touch, the, mm-hmm. the closeness that the, the, the there is. The friendships I mean, you yeah. form, I guess you still form them, but it's in a very different setting. Um, but it's very nice, like you said, when you know everyone's name, you can have a bit of a jam with people. You can you know, listen to other people play and have interesting discussions about handpan and life in general and really connect with um, you know, a small group of people. There was something very special about that. And I've got, I feel like the idea of a 2000 uh, handpan player gathering would be amazing. But yeah, I, cu- I couldn't even begin to imagine how different it's, it's, it would be a, from Pan Oz. Or- it's incredible, but it, it's different. Like Pan Oz, it was, it was, it was I, I mean, it's probably scaled up a little bit since, maybe not, I don't know. But I, I just remember, like, I mean, our meeting, I just put a message up on the Facebook group and said, ah, anybody able to give me a lift? And you, you, you and Jordan turned up with a car and an esky full of beers. And we'd never <laughs> met before. I'd been sleeping on a park bench for the night and you picked me up and took me, to the gathering and, and we got on and, and hung out and the, you know two years later we're having this conversation it's those connections which are amazing yeah. and as you scale up these things you know if it was a 10,000 person festival maybe it would be less likely that, that, that someone would pick me up maybe even more I don't know but you know these, these it makes it more special that you're su- such a small group and we all ate together as well I think that's something Mm-hmm. In small gatherings, somebody cooks and everybody eats the same meal, and you sit around a table like a family. Mm-hmm. And just those sort of things—they—they they, they really make my heart swell. And I, I hope that we don't lose that by by going all corporate and big. And it, because things are always going to go big. That mm-hmm. you know, the, there's the the handpan market is growing hugely, and now you can you know music shops all over the place are stocking them, which mm-hmm. is something that, that never used to be the case, and yeah. it's a good. It is a good thing, but it's, it's, it changes your connection with it. It becomes less special and personal mm-hmm. uh, if you're not careful. It becomes just another instrument. Mm-hmm. And I do hope you, that, that... Do you find inspiration from any other makers or did you when you were starting out? Oh, hugely, hugely, hugely. So, so when I started out, uh, I, I started on my own. And then uh, after a few months, I met uh, an, a stranger to me then, who's, who's now one of my closest friends, a guy called Daryl, who makes Panama handpans. And we were both at the exact same place in our journey. We hadn't made anything of worth yet. And we, we teamed up and we cried on each other's shoulders and we pulled resources and ideas. And that was really special. So he was one of my big inspirations, was Daryl. And then we, uh, we were friends, uh, we became friends with a beautiful soul called Mark Wilson, who's, he's a guy from Trinidad. He's got more hammering experience than anyone I've ever met. And, and he's, he's just such, he's just the most beautiful guy. So uh, working with the steel pans um, in the... In the he, he was working with steel pans. I mean, I mean from, <laughs> he probably had hammers before he had shoes. You know, he, he's got steel pan tuning in his blood. He, he used to play oh, wow. in a steel band on, on, the, on the cruise ships around Trinidad. And he, he now lives, lives in the UK. He, he actually moved only an hour's drive from where I was living. And 
he very kindly showed me some pointers in the beginning, which which was a very special thing. It's, it's like meeting your idol when you're when you're an aspiring handpan maker and an established maker who's got you know 20, 30 years of experience allows you to come and see what they do. It's it's mind blowing. It's 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 literally your hands are trembling watching this person do it. And you're trying to take everything in, and nothing makes any sense because it's like watching an artist at work. You, if you're a beginner, you miss all the, all the all the all the subtleties of the artwork, which is you know the minutiae is where the importance is. And uh, so yeah, we, we that Daryl and I understudied Mark at times um, for for a day here and there, and he he's been really crucial in, in, in my learning. I also went to France and, uh, and uh, watched a guy called Michael Colley who makes Asiel uh, handpans in Brittany in France. I watched him work. Uh, Daryl and I drove all the way down. <laughs> this is how small scale it was in the beginning. We drove, we drove 2,000 mile round trip to pick up 10 shells each um, from Strasbourg in France uh, from a guy called Mathieu who, who runs a pan lab uh, really beautiful place, lovely guy, and it's it's a sharing cooperative of of, of knowledge, <laughs> inspiration, inspiration. Sorry, I'm, I'm 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 a big one on segues. Lots of people have inspired me, but yeah, the, mm-hmm. those those three are, are, are the main ones who really gave me a handout in the beginning when when I, they didn't have to. Yeah, and uh, and you know, like one of the things I've learned in life is it, it really is the people that you know rather than what you know gets you everywhere every success I've ever had in life. I've had plenty of failures, but every success I've had, you look close behind that and there's, there's a person there who's given me a leg up, who said, uh, I'm going to help this guy. And yeah, in the handpan world, it was Daryl, it was Mark, it was, it was Michael. They were the three, three names that, that initially come to mind of people who really inspired me and helped me. Yeah. That's really, that's really fascinating. And I feel like that's kind of what this podcast is all about, like surrounding you or listeners out there with the people to help them grow through these kinds of conversations. But I feel like personal connections and your network is so much more important than people really realize uh, because it's everything. It's not only taking, it's also giving. You get so much out of that as well and, and sharing your stories. And, and even what we're doing right now, I'm sure... Um, you know, you can feel this as much as I can, this kind of um, connection and, and this kind of, um, uh, I guess, energy that we're putting out into the world can really help some people. And that's a nice feeling in itself, I think. Yeah, um, it was, it's learning from other people's experiences, you know, yeah. partly their mistakes and partly their successes. And, and, and you can, you know, certain things strike a chord with, with, with the life that you're going through. And, yeah, and, and it kind of helps us. I guess it helps us evolve in a way a lot quicker because we're, 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 kind of instead of making the same mistakes we're kind of um, learning and kind of building upon the last person's lessons because that's all really a, a mistake is isn't it yeah yeah and, and i think that that's an important thing because when people do well at something you focus on on the times where they were doing well but but it's important to dwell on when they weren't doing it well as well that's that's where a lot of the lessons lie mm-hmm. and um so yeah, having these sort of discussions about about you know people dragging themselves up from something very small scale and trying to make something better of it, it's it's important to dwell on when things weren't going well. Because mm-hmm. uh, when I was when I was thinking about getting into this, you know, you look at the people at the top and you think there's such a big gap between me and you. I can't even picture the steps to get there. So when you break it down and you hear someone else's story and you see those faltering steps as they go through that. The process that that that's where the learning happens. I think reading about these things, mm-hmm. uh, 
I wish I could read more. <laughs> <laughs> what have you, your handpans are, are absolutely beautiful and everyone that's played them or heard, have heard them before, they're at a point now, I think, well, from the videos I've seen and I obviously haven't heard one in person for a couple of years, but they're just amazing instruments that people can really appreciate. And it was like that back at Panels. I remember you offered up one of your pans as like a raffle pan and everyone kind of went crazy about it. It was like the pan of the, of the festival. Everyone was talking about it and playing it. And before you arrived, you weren't even sure if anyone would like it. And you were like, no man, that, that was the first, first handpan gathering I'd ever been to. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember, I remember sitting down in the hall and Abria, who you, you've interviewed before, he, he asked if he could play the, my instrument and I was really shy about it. And I got it out and I gave it to him and he started playing and everyone was sat there listening. And I, I was just so happy. My hands were shaking. I was like, this, this is the moment people are enjoying what I've made. It was, it was like all of my chickens coming home to roost at once. It was, it was so nice. Yeah. yeah, it must have been a beautiful feeling. I mean, just it was. I mean, Panos will always be special to me because it was the first gathering I went to, and you know, I flew half of the way around the world with 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 an instrument that I'd made purely because I just wanted to share it and and, mm-hmm. and get people's thoughts on it. You know, and and it was it was so worthwhile. Mm-hmm. It was an amazing trip. It was really. So good. tell me what's happening at the moment with these mini pans because that's an area of hand pans that I'm really particularly interested in because I feel like travel is a big part of my life and having something that's light and that you can kind of take with you and, and carry it on without many issues most of the time is is pretty important to me. But um, the sound the sounds from the little ones are I've noticed that they're a little bit different from the sounds from the big ones. Um, can you talk to me a bit about your creation, your your eighteen inch yep. pan and um, how sure. that? I mean, I've got one. I'll, I'll show you one quickly, just to, so we know what we're talking about. Because they're, they're they're different to my other ones. They're, they're made out of stainless steel. Mm-hmm. And the other ones aren't. Uh, no, the other ones are made out of nitrided steel, which is kind of the the, the industry standard, if there is such. A why'd thing. you make it? Why'd you make the change? Um, so stainless is um, it's much more. It's it's not rust. Uh, proof, but mm-hmm. it's it's much more rust resistant. Okay. Than nitrided steel. Nitrided steel is, is, is rust resistant. It's it's that's part of the reason why they're nitrided. It, it creates a case hardening on the outside of it, which prevents or reduces at least uh, corrosion. But stainless, it's just a, it's it's an alloy of, of steel which doesn't readily rust. That's why it's used in kitchen utensils and things. So so sense. for a traveling instrument, one of the tick boxes that I needed was something that doesn't need loads of oiling and cleaning and you're not going to worry about it corroding. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, I use this material um, first and foremost. But secondly, I really like the finish of it. It's got a brush texture to it. So if you run your hand on it, it's, 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 got, it's got a grain to it, which, mm-hmm. which uh, mild steel doesn't so much. It has a slight grain, but not, nowhere near as much as this. So that was one of the, the changes. The, 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 the size of it is 18 inches diameter, so it's smaller. How does that compare um, to like an Asachan Miram? For example, uh, so an Asachan Miram, I believe, is forty-six centimeters in diameter, and this is forty-seven. Okay, so it's just um, so it's, it's one centimeter larger. That's the internal diameter. It doesn't mm-hmm. include the flange around the rim. Mm-hmm. I've got my pickup built into it. You can see ah, the jet there. That's hopefully. Um, so you can just plug it in, and and, and you're good to go. Um, the the scales are generally higher in pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, you've got limited space. The size of the note, uh, a larger note is, is a lower note. So, so is it impossible so then, to make something like a mutant pan with it on a mini pan? Uh, you could, but it would be in a higher register. So it's something that I'm going to look into doing. At the moment, I've, I've got four scales that are available. 
Uh, I've got a major, a minor, a kind of spicy Arabic one, and another minor, which is a more more typical minor. This this is a, an A major, so this one is kind of pure sunshine. It's just pure happiness. Yeah, and that makes me happy. So, so <laughs> I, I pick I pick four scales, which uh, I thought would uh, would would be would give enough choice because. Mm-hmm. I mean, some makers will offer a hundred different scales. They have such a huge range and I like to do that on my standard ones, but these I'm just making four scales uh, that they're all very different from each other. There should be something within there that suits 99% of people. Mm -hmm. Um, So the, these instruments are lighter because they're smaller. Um, They're they're much more easy to transport. They're they're actually of a size where they can fit in an overhead locker in a plane. Mm -hmm. So if you have it in a soft case, you don't have to worry about it being bashed about in the bottom of the plane. But I also sell hard cases with them. Um, But the the main uh, intention of these was to make something that you could travel with, you could throw around quite... They're they're hardy, they're tough. Mm -hmm. Um, They're made out of thicker material than than a, a typical small pan so that's, that's the I, difference in the resonance between the bigger ones and the small ones is it massive or is it is it just slightly the volume is the volume is slightly lower mm-hmm. uh, i would say that there's no no big change in sustain okay but, but when when uh, when a note gets larger it has more mass to it it's, it's got more weight behind it so when you you strike that note and you get it vibrating the vibrations will last longer in a larger note. Typically speaking, there's exceptions to the rule all over the place, but typically speaking, the vibrations will last longer than a smaller instrument, uh, smaller note, sorry. That's why the highest note on an instrument won't resonate for quite as long, won't sustain for quite as long as, as the, the, the biggest instru- uh, note on the instrument. Um, but that, that can be co- uh, compensated by the fact that there's a pickup built in. Um, also the, this, uh, the nature of stainless steel, I find, I don't know if others find this, but, um, it's not as reactive to heat. So when you're playing an instrument out in heat, generally when the instrument heats up, the, 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 uh, the pitch of the, of the notes drops, uh, to a degree, um, that, that correlates with the, how hot the instrument is. You can getting. actually put it out of tune that way, right? You, you can, not as easily as people may think. I mean, okay. if it's a well-made instrument, the heat will, will detune it, but it's a temporary effect and it will bounce back when it reaches ambient temperature again. Mm-hmm. I, I tune at 21 degrees, so my instruments are bang on at 21 degrees. You go hotter than that, the, the tuning will drop to a certain degree. You go colder than that, and it will, it will rise, um, but it, it's, it's a temporary effect. And, and, and it also still that effect is minimized. It's it's less it's less than than a nitrided instrument from from my experience. Um, that might not be that others find the same thing, but that's what I find. Um, so yeah, the, those are some of the reasons why. And and also, I just like variety. So I wanted to make the smaller ones out of a different material. So one week I'll work on on a nitrided instrument. The next week I'll work on a stainless. It keeps keeps things fresh. Keeps keeps my mind busy. Yeah. That's super cool. That's that's awesome. So, is there uh, is there any new developments kind of coming up on the horizon? Anything you're excited to share, or anything that you might want to drop some clues for that um, could get people excited out there? <laughs> well, I mean, the the case that I was talking about earlier, I'm actually very yeah, excited very cool. about those. I, I designed them to be. Um, they're a very they're a perfect fit for my 21 inch instruments, and I will make one for the 18 as well. But they do accommodate probably 95% of other instruments built on a 21 inch or a 53 centimeter internal diameter. So they are, you can retrofit them and they fit in the, the industry standard case, which is an EvaTech case, mm-hmm. really, really good cases. 
most of my customers buy those and when they want uh when i've had customers come back to me and say ah i need something that's completely solid now because they're, they're tough but they're not they're not completely impact resistant now i can say to them well i have these protective covers that you can actually put on the instrument inside so they don't need to get rid of their evatec they can just upgrade it with with these these shells which are made to fit over their instrument will that help so, it would you be able I, to fly it inside a plane or does it still need to be carry on like is that no, no, it can go inside a plane. I mean, uh, I'll send you links to the videos afterwards of the crash testing, but these things can take a pounding. I could wow. drive my car over it and, and, and it would be okay, I think. I, I, it was too tall off the ground for me to get uh, to drive my car over it, but I was, I was hoping to. But like I say, I, I had <laughs> this thing with a 14-pound sledgehammer and yeah. it, it didn't even make a dent in it. Yeah, for you out there, this this um, traveling with a hand pan is kind of an ongoing issue with that that players have, where it goes out of tune once it's on a pan, uh, when the pans are on, sorry on a plane. Um, so anything that you can, can help you fly with a pan is 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 a massive deal and a massive jump in the right direction. So that's yeah, really, it's that's needed. Really it's, it's it's needed. So I'm I'm really excited about that. I've got uh, I've got one of the. Uh, instruments with the covers currently in the, in the photography studio being photographed so i should have the the proofs back from that tomorrow so that yeah. that, that i'm really excited about uh, i've got a few new tools which are which uh i'm i'm developing at the moment i've recently started uh, i mean it's to people who aren't into handpans it's it's a small difference but i the dimple the 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 apex that is on the central note of mm -hmm. the instrument I now have a, one which has three tiers rather than two and is much larger, which allows me to drop the pitch of my uh, my my central notes, the fundamental pitch of it, much lower. Mm -hmm. So I, I recently made an instrument that I took to a, a gathering in Portugal that was in, in uh, the, the root of it was in G2, which for people who aren't into music theory, that, that, that may mean nothing, but it's very low, um, much lower than I've ever been before. Um, and that's partly um, possible because of the new tooling that I've got. So... Duncan's so going lower. Yeah, super, super <laughs> low. Uh, I mean, people have gone lower than that. Going low isn't my specialty. There's other people who do it much better than I do. But yeah. it's, uh, yeah, it was good fun doing that. So the things I get excited about is just getting new new tools. My workshop is full of bespoke tooling. Everything that I have is is custom made. And it's like when I get new hammers and things, it's, it's I, I get really excited about it. <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to meet you in person in England one day and, and maybe even record your, maybe not your full process because I'm sure every maker has their secrets, but maybe make a little video for you and, and maybe some um, photos. If, if you travel to the UK, then, then certainly look me up, man. You can, you can come and stay. I've, I've, I, although, although I live in my van, I actually have a house. It's just that the house is in such terrible repair that I, 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 I live in the van because it's nicer. Yeah. So I bought, I, I bought a house recently and I've gutted it, taken everything out. But, but um, yeah, you know, six months from now, it will be habitable. So if you want to come to Bristol, you, you can be my guest. Yeah, I'll keep me. that in mind. I mean, that sounds like you've got quite a few projects on the go. I mean, you've got the hand pans, you're, you're looking at innovating in different ways. You've got the festivals that you're attending and, and, and things that you're speaking at. Now you've got this house as well and the van and the puppy. There's a lot going yeah, I, on. I like to keep busy, but it doesn't leave any time for anything else. Um, I, I'd like to have more time to to do meditation, to do yoga. I do, I do yoga each week, but I don't do as much as I'd like. I'd like to have time to read. I've got some books that I've, I've been meaning to read for ages. Yeah. I just haven't got around to it. Any recommendations on the book front? Because actually, uh, I haven't, I wasn't actually reading at the time that you gave me that book and it really kind of kickstarted my journey back into reading. Now I read almost every day. 
and I find it wonderful. And that book that you gave me, it sounds super weird, but that was the first book I'd read in a long time. Um, is there anything that you could kind of throw my yeah. way, any kind of recommendations for people out there that you really enjoyed maybe? <laughs> so currently I'm, I'm reading um, a book by a, a Canadian uh, psychologist called Jordan Peterson. And the, uh, the book yes. 12 Rules for Life. He's, he's quite a, a well-known speaker at the moment. He, mm-hmm. he had some quite firm uh, feet. He, he came into the public eye quite heavily on, on, on uh, gender pronoun debates and, and equality in the workplace. But he, he writes about all these amazing things. He's a very deep thinker. And he's written this book called 12 Rules for Life, which is... Um, it's, the it's, antidote, it's, antidote to chaos, right? Yeah, that's the one, and it's it's his advice on on what people should do. And although he's not he's not primarily speaking to them, it it, it speak his book speaks very well to young men, young men who feel that they're, they're they don't necessarily have a place in this world because you know like each generation have have, have got their 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 issues. But I would say our, our generation, our issue is obsolescence. We we I, I only speak for myself, but I think other people feel the same way we feel obsolete because we're not necessarily needed. We come out of, you know, we go to university, we come out, nobody wants us because there's, we're 10 a penny. People are very highly qualified and underskilled because they can't get into jobs that they want to. So we end up, you know, doing what most of us have done, traveling around, doing all these things, trying to find something that works, trying to find somewhere that we feel meaningful and, and, and that we belong and that we have a purpose and, and, and responsibility. I think we're crying out for that. And that's what Jordan writes about a lot. Um, and yeah, I, I, have stopped reading his book because I gave it to a friend who recently came out of prison, who was in, in desperate need of, of some direction. And, uh, and I've just ordered another copy of it, but that, that book, it's incredible. I, I really, I really like um, the things that Jordan is saying in there. It's 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 what a lot of people need to hear, I think, and it's what people are crying out to hear. Uh, it's 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 a far far stretch from the the book that I lent you, Seven Years in Tibet, which is a, a you know non fictional biographical book about a guy <laughs> who got caught in in uh, you know military camps and things. It was that that was a that was a great book. That was a great. I'm glad you read it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I've, I really, I feel like, um, like reading and learning these, learning these kind of uh, ways that people see the world are very important. I've only started to read fiction recently. Actually, I've been reading a lot of nonfiction, uh, and I haven't actually read Jordan's book, but I've, I'm familiar with each of the twelve rules, and I've watched a lot of his videos, and I find it really fascinating. And it's, it's great to see things from a unique perspective in the in today's world, I guess, and and things that I think. People, some people really could really, it could help them move their life along. Um, so thanks for having a chat with me today, Duncan. I really appreciate your time. Um, no, it's been good. This, is, this has been crazy fun and I'm just so happy that, you know, things seem to be going so well uh, with you at the moment and there's a lot on the horizon and you're really kind of getting into uh, your flow of things, well, what it looks like. Um, and I really think people can get something, some interesting kind of things out of this chat. And it might even introduce people into the handpan world, uh, which uh, maybe. Also, yeah. Um, is there yeah, anything um, you could leave me with um, for maybe people out there that want to know more about Meridian or kind of, um, I'm sure a lot of people have heard about uh, your handpans or your, your beautiful instruments before, but where can people go to check them out? And um, are you active on social media or places like that? Mm. Yeah, so um, I, I have a website, which is www.meridianhandpans.co.uk, uh, so I can be contacted through there. 
Uh, I also have a Facebook uh, page, which is Meridian Handpans. Uh, either of those routes, you can get hold of me very easily. I, I'm always at work, so I generally reply <laughs> within 24 hours. Um, so if anyone has any questions or anything, I'd, I'd be very happy to answer them. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, cool, cool. And do you... In regards to uh, Meridian handpans, is there like if someone wants to get one, what's the process? Is it is it quite a long? Because I know a lot of makers. I'm not really. I haven't really been following the scene too much lately, but I know there's kind of a high demand, and it does take a lot of time and energy to create a single pan. Mm-hmm. It's not like a factory made or anything like that. Um, although I have seen some posts from coming out of China lately that have been a little bit um, scary in that regard. Yeah, they're, they're, on, they're on the mass production route, some of, some of the makers over there. I mean, it's what China does very well is, is produce things en masse they, uh, and like, almost like a conveyor belt system. Um, as long as the quality is good and, and the intention behind the instruments is good, I, I, I don't mind it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, for, for me, it's, uh, uh, the artisan route is, is what I'm really interested in, like the, the upgrade of men in sheds or people in sheds. You know, it's predominantly males, but there, there are women who make these instruments as well. Um, and it's, uh, I think, I, I don't want to lose the artistry of you, you, these instruments are so unique because everyone is handmade. If you start having them on a conveyor belt system, you lose that, that uniquity about them. And I think people will become less interested. It will become just like anything else. And there's, yeah, there's some kind of, this is something beautiful about someone putting energy and effort into something that they make by hand, especially for someone. And, you know, it takes time and effort and every, every pan is unique. There's something very special about that. Um, and yeah, I, I guess I'd be worried that that might be lost, but that's just my personal I, opinion. I hope it doesn't get lost. I hope it doesn't. It, it, it's it, each, each instrument has a character because I mean, most makers, I, well, I can't speak for everyone, but I, I remember every instrument that I've made and each one has got, I've engraved on it, the, the date that I made it and the name of it and everything like it's, it's a very personal thing. And I don't want to lose that personal touch. So in, in, in answer to your question, the, the, the way to get an instrument from me is I work from a waiting list. So I, I work on a commission system. Uh, if, if people want to order an instrument from me, they contact me personally through my website or from my Facebook page. And uh, I take a small deposit and give them a, an exact day when I start their instrument. And I always start it on that day. Uh, never let anybody down. Uh, I start it on that day and it's ready four to six weeks later. We discuss scales, we customize, we make sure that both parties are happy. And then it's made with that person in mind, which I think is something quite nice as well. You're not just making it and putting it on a shelf. You know the person who you're making it for and you know what they want. And that that has an effect, has an impact on the instrument that comes out at the end. I mean, when, when I make instruments for my endorsed players, I actually listen to their music while while I'm making it. Um, which is really special. Like there, I made one for a, a, a really good musician called Lowry, um, who's from uh, Finland. He, he, his yeah, I saw a video of him playing. Uh, uh, it looked like there was two of them, but um, that was that was really cool. A meridian was this? Uh, yeah, it looked like he was playing two meridians on stands, but I'm not 100 yep. percent sure. There were yeah, so that was like that would have been recently. Yeah, he, he's he's got two now, and the one the the second one that I was making for him. I was listening to his albums whilst whilst uh, whilst making it, and 
it's really nostalgic because back in the days when I was in the back of my camper van hitting steel on car tires with a sledgehammer, it was his albums I was listening to. He was one of the musicians that I was inspired by. And when now you're making first, a pan for him. That's yeah, it's, you know, it, it's, it's amazing. And when I first met him, I said, look, I'd really like to collaborate because actually I took a lot of inspiration from your music. When, when, in the beginning, when times were really hard and I was really wondering why I was going through all of this. I mean, back in those days, you'd work on it sinking a shell forming a shell with a sledgehammer for for eight to ten hours and then sometimes it would just split for no reason that you could work out and you just had to cat like count it in and start again and you'd cry and you'd be bleeding in your fingers and aching and his music was one of the things that helped get me through so yeah it was a really nice uh, cyclic thing that uh, yeah I, I listened to his music in the beginning and now his music is made on an instrument I've made uh, those those are the things which I should sit back and revel in and be like oh, I'm really proud of it but I don't because I don't think about <laughs> it the moment it happens it's in the past and I'm thinking about the next thing I'm doing next week um, yeah. so that's something I need to work on <laughs> yeah yeah for sure I think that's I think it is important and it doesn't need to be all day it just needs to be for a couple of moments maybe in the morning yeah, with your meditation yeah, and, or uh, your cup of coffee or whatever the, maybe it starts by doing it actively and then it becomes a habit and, yeah. and I, I think that's probably what I need to do that's what I'm going to take from this discussion. I need to actively think about the things which are going well <laughs> rather than dwelling 100% of the time on things which I need to improve. Yeah, and just one last note. You said something really interesting. I mean, going through that kind of a process where you're beating steel for eight hours and it cracking and everything goes to shit and then you're having to have to deal with that helps you grow, I'm sure, in immense ways. Like if you can deal with that, there's probably it, it a lot of situations you, that don't become as, as difficult or as, as tricky after having that kind of patience or being tested in that way. It's a, it's a resilience thing. And I think that that's something that all handpan makers uh, who, who, who are worth their salt share. They, they, they have the ability to fail at something, trip on a hurdle, and then get back up and immediately give it another go and just learn from it. You know, every, every falling over is a lesson. You take from it what you can and then you compartmentalize it, leave it there, carry on. If you're, if you're easily upset and you're easily defeated, it's not the place for you. So it, it's definitely taught me some really hard lessons in that realm of just having to, you know, grit your teeth. It's, it's that grit that, that gets you through it. And that, that's one of the things I'm most grateful for. I, it's made me very tenacious. I, I don't give up on anything. If I set my mind to it, I'll, I'll go through hell to get it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that that's something that, that a lot of handpan makers share. I think every maker will have that story of, of you know, hitting the wall more than once, more than mm -hmm. once, many times. And, but you, you hit less walls as you get more into it. Yeah, I think that's like anything in life for sure. Like that's how, that's how shit works. I mean, yeah. if you're scared of failing or if you don't uh, get back up, then it's really hard to really get, get to where you want to be. And, and that's kind of a lesson, I guess, to take away from this whole conversation for me anyways. Uh, but yeah, thanks again, Duncan. I really appreciate it, man. Um, no, my pleasure. It's good to catch up, man. It's been two years. We've been trying to do this for a long time. <laughs> no, we got there. We got there in the end. <laughs> we got there. Yeah, amazing. Well, let's keep in touch. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for tuning in to another rep. On goodpeopleeffect.com, there's going to be information on everything we've spoken about, including information on Duncan's beautiful instruments, his wonderful creations, um, Meridian handpans. Duncan's actually recommended a very special guest who's now a new friend of mine. His name is Sylvain. He's the host of the Handpan Podcast, and that's going to be next week's episode. So please stay tuned. I thought I'd do these ones back-to-back -to, -back to really bring something special to your ears to give you a bit of an insight into this you know, incredible instrument.
this incredible new art form and this incredible new way of you know expressing creativity and putting that out into the world. So that's next week's episode with Sylvain. Stay tuned for that one. And please, if you haven't had a chance yet, guys, hit that subscribe button, download a few of the past episodes and stay tuned every Sunday afternoon because I'm really looking, um, searching for conscious humans to help you cultivate your own growth and really take you on this journey with me as well through interesting conversations and stories just like this one. So please subscribe to the show. If you know anyone that's into yoga, meditation, developing themselves into mindfulness, into just podcasting and maybe looking for something fresh and and different and they're open to experimenting, please point them in the direction of the good people effect and and let's help spread this out to as many people as possible. Uh, But yeah, thank you and I'll catch you next week. Mm -hmm.